Well, hello and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Anderson, and today we are continuing our study in the book of Ruth. We're actually finally out of chapter one. We're going to be in chapter two today, and uh, we have a key word today. It's kinsman redeemer. Uh, If you'll remember chapter one, Naomi and Ruth have been left without husbands, right? They've been left without a family. It's just the two of them. They've returned to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Chapter 1 was very dark, very dark indeed. No hope, right? Well, the last sentence of chapter 1, now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is our glimmer of hope. Bread is about to return to the house of bread. Because remember, there was a famine in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread, right? There's no food there. Now that famine is over, we're going to see something just amazing take place here in chapter 2. I hope everyone's been doing well. Uh, We just had our very first... (laughs) It's not really our first. uh, But our first um, in-person service in the sanctuary at church this week, and it was nice. Um, maybe not as many people as, as we expected were going to be there, uh, but that's okay. You know, uh, you got to protect yourself and, and, you know, if, if you think you're vulnerable or you think maybe, nah, I think I'm just not going to go this week. I just want to be safe. We're still doing the sermons and Sunday school lessons. Uh, brother Larry still, uh, we're recording his sermons every week and they're available every Sunday morning. And uh, Brother Rich is still doing his Sunday school lessons um, in video. And so you can find that on the church's YouTube channel. It's just Portland General Baptist Church. Uh, Just type it into uh, YouTube's search engine. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, then you already see our little logo there. It's the black background with the purple GB. And so that's the same all across the board. So you can find us on YouTube, on Facebook. Um, and of course on the podcasts, uh, podcast platforms as well. Um, so we're not just on Apple podcasts. We're also on Google podcasts and Spotify and, um, what's another one breaker podcast, uh, pocket casts and a few others. Um, so pretty much if you just type it into whichever search engine you use for your podcasts, um, you're going to find it. Uh, so you'll see, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll see that, uh, There is a weekly youth podcast, sermon podcast, and Sunday school episode as well. And, of course, it's really easy to see which is which. Uh, Just look at the title, and it will tell you. And it will also tell you uh, who is teaching or who is preaching. It tells you the the title of the lesson or the sermon, and then it also tells you the passage um, that is the, the key passage for that particular lesson or sermon. And so today, this is the youth podcast. Uh, I'm currently recording... Uh, it is June 9th, right? So it's Tuesday night, and uh, it's um, 
this is going to release tomorrow, um, so when it drops, it'll be Wednesday. And uh, we are finally out of chapter one. We're into chapter two of Ruth, and uh, the the end of chapter one ended with a, a very small glimmer of hope. Um, chapter one was pretty dark and and gloomy, and it didn't seem like anything was going anybody's way at all. Um, but then we get to the very last sentence: they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest, and this is actually fantastic. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal to us now because food is so readily available. Uh, but you have to keep in mind that um, you know when there's a famine, <laughs> it, it's kind of hard for there to be a famine really in the United States anyway. Um, we hear about shortages or we might hear about recalls of food because of contamination, but it's still never really a big deal. Um, <clears throat> I want to point out something real quick at the end of chapter one before we get into chapter two. Um, when Naomi and Ruth come back, they... Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Right, because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, keep in mind that there was a famine, she lost her husband, and then she lost Malin and Killian, her two sons. And now she's back with a Moabitess, right? Did you notice that she does not say, well, there was a natural disaster and so there was no food? Instead, she says, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. It's not that she's necessarily blaming God, but it should be noted that everything that happens, everything that happens, everything that... You're a broken record, Rory. <laughs> everything that happens, happens under the sovereignty of God. Nothing happens without His say-so or approval. Naomi, yeah, she was right. God had dealt very bitterly with her. Uh, we're not told if there was a specific sin that brought this on or anything, or if it was Elimelech or anything like that. But what we do see is that although there is this famine, God has used this and is using this. And it seems like it's kind of a mean thing to do, but we're going to see as Ruth plays out that God does have a bigger plan in mind. So, earlier in the introduction, I said that their key phrase today is kinsman redeemer, and it's basically going to be our key phrase for the whole rest of the book of Ruth. So, uh, if you don't know any um, uh, background to this, uh, legally speaking, if a woman and a man were married, and the man died, and they didn't have any children, then, of course, the woman would be a widow, but in order for the family line to continue, she would need a new husband. Well, built into the law was a provision for the widow, and, of course, this is the same law that God had given to his people uh, sometime uh, before the book of Ruth takes place. And this is basically the kinsman redeemer law. And basically what it is, is that the next single, right, single male relative of the deceased husband would be legally obligated to marry 
and take on and continue the family name for the widow. That's the kinsman redeemer. So, so for example, if uh, if if I die and I leave my wife a widow, then the next oldest single male relative in my family would then marry her, or be obligated at least to marry her, as the kinsman redeemer because they redeemed a kinsman, right? Okay. Chapter two of Ruth starts out: There was a relative of Naomi's husband a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So we see in Ruth chapter 1 that both Naomi and Ruth are left without husbands. They are technically in need of a kinsman redeemer. If things are to be if they are if these ladies are supposed to be obedient, if they're supposed to fulfill uh their purpose, then there needs to be a kinsman redeemer or they they need to marry the kinsman redeemer. They're totally for it. Um, but so far in the story, we're not aware of one until chapter two, and we're introduced to a man named Boaz. He happens to be a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech, and of course is of the same family. His name is Boaz. And in verse two of chapter two, it says, so Ruth and Boabitis said to Naomi, and keep in mind when you're reading this, although we are reading this couple thousand years after the fact, and the author of this book is aware of all of these people, um, Ruth is not aware of Boaz. She doesn't know who he is. We see his name, but Ruth is not. Ruth has no idea this guy is, is even in existence. Ruth, the Moabitess, says to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. Ruth sees that she is probably the she is definitely the younger of the two and that she is probably more physically fit to provide for both of them and so she says Naomi I'm going to go work let me go do this Naomi says yeah that's fine so Ruth leaves and in chapter 3 there's a very interesting phrase that is written here it says then she left Ruth left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers Okay, um, and before we get to this interesting phrase, there's a little bit more legal background you have to know to understand this, and I hope that saying legal background <laughs> does not turn you off to this and make you make it sound boring. Um, but basically, there was a built-in uh, provision system for the widows and and poor people. Um, when a farmer owned land and it was harvest time. They were essentially required to leave the edges of their field alone so that widows and poor people could come and harvest that that crop. And so Ruth went to this field to go um to go glean in the field, just to go you know, pick the crop that was out. And basically what this was, was this was God's way of providing for the widows and the poor. This was God's, um, this was God's way of, of guaranteeing that there was going to be something provided for them. This was, in a way, the welfare system of the day. But I want to point out something, a massive contrast between the United States welfare system and what's going on here. If you'll notice, here in Scripture, 
It requires work. It actually requires the person to get up, to prepare themselves, to go out and find work that would then provide food. This was not a begging system. This was not a sit back and take it all in system. God provided, and yet we still have to get up. God calls us to this. God calls you to something, you have to respond. God made a provision of food here, and Ruth responded by getting up and going to work. So, it provided for her and Naomi. Things are looking great, right? Now, the second half of verse 3 is the interesting phrase. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was part, who was of the family of Elimelech. The phrase, she happened to come to, kind of makes it sound like this is, well, by chance, Ruth just, she just so happened to show up at the field that Boaz owns. Because if you know anything about about that uh, kinsman redeemer system there, oh, well, this is looking really nice. Ruth is maybe going to meet Boaz. Maybe there's something going on here. And it, and it seems like, oh, well, this is just chance or that this is just a coincidence. And yet we're going to see that there is no such thing as coincidence. There is no such thing as chance. In fact, um, Scripture itself even says that chance is essentially an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion of something else. Uh, but anyway, um, so carrying on in verse 4, Now behold, Boaz came to the came to, uh, from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Now, real quick about Boaz, I know I'm I'm kind of starting and stopping and starting and stopping here, but I just want to point out a couple of things to you as we go along. The very first thing we know about Boaz, um, other that he is a relative in the family of Elimelech, and that he apparently is very wealthy, um, <clears throat> is that uh, he he says the very first words that he says are "The Lord be with you." Now, how many people do you know personally? A family member or friend or acquaintance or anything like that. How many people have you ever met or know that the first words that come out of their mouths are a blessing? Especially a blessing of the Lord. That's kind of rare. That's that's extremely rare. Even even in church, most most people usually don't talk about the Lord. They don't talk about, oh, well, this is what God's done for me this week, or or even if it's bad news, you know, nobody ever says anything like that. They don't talk about, um, <clears throat> although I'm struggling, I find my comfort and rest in the Lord. No, it's never, there's, there's usually no conversation. The only time that stuff is brought up is when we're singing, when there's preaching, and then when people give testimony. But in our day-to-day conversations, even with, between people within the church, we we don't usually talk like that. And yet here we find Boaz's first words are, the Lord be with you. He gives a blessing to his, to his servants or to his workers, his reapers. In verse 5, then Boaz said to his servant who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now, basically, this is just Hebrew for, now who is that? <laughs> Or, uh, 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 who do we have here? Or, uh, is she single, basically? Um, is she seeing somebody? Um, and, and so he says, whose young woman is this? In other words, um, 
has somebody married her? Is she the wife of somebody? That's that's what he's asking. Apparently, the, the very first moment that he sees who this woman is, he sees who's Ruth, who Ruth is, he immediately is wondering, is she married? Because if not, I might have to chase that. <laughs> and in verse 6, uh, the servant um, who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, well, it's the young uh, Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And, um, and Ruth came and said, Hey, let me work. Let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Uh, so she came and has continued from morning until now, although she rested a little in the house. And so, so the servant, this, this particular person is telling Boaz, filling him in. Oh, this is so-and-so. Um, she came back with, with Naomi. And so Boaz goes over to Ruth and he says, He says, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It's been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and mother and uh, the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you uh, by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Exchange that we see between Ruth and Boaz, and it's a very interesting exchange. Because um, Boaz basically tells Ruth, look, you know what? I know you got all the all these other places you could choose from. You somehow found your way here, but please stay. Make yourself at home. Boaz knows hardly nothing about Ruth personally, except what uh, his his workers have told him. And he is totally willing to just let her stay. That that doesn't happen very often, uh, but it happens here, and um, and so Ruth's response, uh, she's overwhelmed with gratitude. She falls on her face, bows down to the to to the ground, in respect, out of respect for Boaz, and and says, "Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner?" Um, there is a there's a picture here that I want you to notice, and. Um, this is basically where where we are going to end uh, this lesson, and what's happening here is this is a very little picture, a little glimpse of the relationship that we have as sinners to God. Ruth does not belong with the Israelites. She is a pagan. She's from an enemy nation. Uh, an enemy nation that that was formed out of an incestuous relationship. If you were, if you recall back in Genesis uh, 19, I believe it was, where Lot and uh, and his daughters did an unspeakable act, and and of course there was a, a man or a, a baby born named Moab, and Moab grew up and, and became the father of the Moabite nation. This nation's very filthy, very immoral, and and Ruth is one of those descendants. This woman does not belong anywhere in Israel, 
much less working in a field for food. And Boaz decides to show mercy on Ruth. He decides to 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 show her mercy and grace and says, "You know what? I know you don't belong, but I'm going to welcome you here anyway." That is that is an astounding act of love. That's the same thing that God has done to us as sinners. When we sin, we we are the ones that that have that have uh, caused the chasm between us and God. We are the ones, we are the reason why there is such a, a vast space between us and the Almighty. It's not, it's not because, uh, you know, God created that there. It's because we sinned and fell short of his glory. So, of course, there's going to be a gap there. And, and, and we don't belong in the kingdom of heaven anymore. We we are now uh, we we've been kicked out essentially. Um, recall back to Adam and Eve uh, in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. It was paradise. Things were going great, and yet they sinned and were cast out. And humanity from that point forward, it no longer belongs in the kingdom of heaven. And yet God, in His infinite mercy and grace, says to us, "You know what." I'm still going to provide a way for you to be in the kingdom of heaven, though you don't belong. This little picture here that we see between, this little interaction, rather, that we see between Ruth and Boaz is just a small glimpse of the grace of God. Because God didn't have to let us in. He didn't have to save us. He did not have to, he did not have to sacrifice Jesus on the cross and and suffer our punishment for us. He chose to out of his abundant mercy and love. Boaz did not have to let Ruth in to his to his land. He did not have to let Ruth work. But what we see here is that Boaz is showing love and is showing grace and mercy to Ruth the same way that God did to us. So we're going to end there tonight. Um, I say tonight. It's tonight when I'm recording. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully you're reading along. And uh, basically the next section is going to be the second half of chapter 2. And uh, then we'll be getting into chapter 3. And it's, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get pretty, uh, pretty heated. And uh, there, there's going to be uh, some cliffhanger uh, action going on here, too. It's, it's going to be uh, a wild ride through Ruth. Anyway, I hope you've been enjoying the series. And, uh, of course, if there's any questions, uh, those of you who are my students, you, you have my phone number. You can text me or email me. Um, find me on Facebook. Again, my name is Rory Anderson. And uh, this has been another episode, another lesson uh, at, uh, for, uh, for the youth at uh, Portland General Baptist Church in Portland, Tennessee. I hope you all stay safe, and may God bless you.